everything we've come to this i thought i felt weird in my fancy dress but even i had to admit it was gorgeous someone had come to the house this morning and fixed all our hair angel's golden halo of curls had never looked so perfect or so clean nudge looked even more like a teen model than usual her long honey streaked brown ringlets falling in perfect array around her shoulders they were wearing matching dresses of russet silk i glanced down at my cream colored one praying that I didn't get dirt or blood on it before this was all over. We carried flowers, bouquets of wildflowers that we'd picked this morning among the beautiful Colorado hills. Nudge came up and stood next to me in the tent, peeking out through the door slit. It was a stunning afternoon, and in front of us, under a natural arch of trees, was a long red carpet with white chairs arranged on either side. Nudge smiled up at me. "'You've never looked more beautiful,' she said, and I gave a nervous grin. My hair was pulled back away from my face, and I had a little crown of flowers woven into it. I, too, was exceedingly clean. Our various bruises and scrapes had healed completely, and Feng's injuries were only a bad memory. As was Dylan's pseudo-suicide attempt. He'd suffered no ill consequences of the injection thus far. Plus, we hadn't seen Dr. Guntherhagen again. We'd rolled him, kicking and screaming, into a giant lab-cold storage room before splitting that day. But I was sure one of his posse would revive and let the dock out of his icebox before he turned into a popsicle. Is that the justice of peace? Nudge whispered. Yeah, she's a friend of my mom's. I saw my mom and my half-sister Ella sitting in the second row, looking back to see us. Jeb and Dylan were in the next row, and a bunch of our friends from the CSM. Dylan had really surprised me, down in Dr. G.H.'s lair. I was going to keep an eye on him. There's the music, said Angel. Okay, you're up, I said. The two of us hadn't really hashed things out. I knew we'd have to, if the flock was going to survive. But not today. Angel slipped through the tent door. Everyone oohed and awed at how pretty she was. She walked slowly down the red carpet, strewing white rose petals everywhere. Deceptively innocent, I thought but at the same time, it was comforting to see her looking so much like my old angel. Even though we hadn't fully made amends for all that had happened between us, I decided to suck it up and enjoy the rush of everything that was happening today. Your turn, I told Nudge. She gave me one last smile, then headed down the red carpet slowly, walking in time to the music. I peered out and saw Gazzy step forward, right in front of the Justice of Peace. He took Angel's arm and they walked a few paces then separated and stood on either side of the decorated podium. I waited until Nudge was halfway down the aisle. Then I left the tent, hoping I didn't throw out from tension. Everyone's heads turned toward me, and I heard excited whispers ripple through the small crowd. I tried to smile, but I was so nervous, I could only manage a sickly grin. Ahead of me, Iggy stepped unerringly and took Nudge's arm. They walked a few paces, then separated, like Angel and Gazzy. Then I could see Fang. His dark eyes seemed to burn as they locked on me. 
I tried to swallow and couldn't. I was holding my bouquet so tightly, I was about to snap all the stems. Everything else faded away, and I had eyes only for Fang. His black hair had been cut, somewhat. He wore a midnight blue suit and an actual tie that he'd already probably figured out 15 ways to kill someone with. It seemed to take forever, but I finally made it up to Fang without tripping on my impractical fancy shoes. He held out his arm, and I took it, staring into his eyes. We walked up to the Justice of Peace, and separated, each standing on our own side. Then, everyone really craned their heads around to see Akila stepping lightly from the tent, a wreath of flowers like mine resting between her pointed ears, with Lysianthus picking up the blue of her intelligent eyes. She walked majestically down the aisle, just as my mom had practiced with her. As she stopped in front of the Justice of Peace, Total stepped over to join her. He was wearing a russet-colored bow tie, and his black fur shone. Even his black wings, which he held up proudly, looked perfectly groomed. Total grinned at me, and I smiled back at him. It didn't matter that he was shorter than Aquila, that she outweighed him by 60 pounds. It didn't matter that he was a mutant, and she was 100% glorious purebreed. The way they looked at each other would have brought a tear to my eye, if I were susceptible to that kind of thing. Total knew how difficult their future would be. He could fly on his own. He was as capable as we were of jumping up and going somewhere at a moment's notice. Aquila was stuck with more traditional means of travel. Total could talk to us, express his wants and needs. Lord, could he. Whereas he had to interpret Aquila for us. But they had decided to stick together, despite the odds. Total had fastened onto Aquila as the perfect match for him the moment he had first seen her. He hadn't given up. And now, they were declaring their vows in front of everyone they cared about. My mind wondered as the Justice of Peace began the ceremony. I heard Total say, I do, in a voice quavering with emotion. Next to him, Akila nodded that she did too. I couldn't help looking over at Fang, unbearably handsome, the afternoon sun turning his skin to a warm gold. He was already looking at me, and I shivered at the expression on his face. In his eyes, I saw the promise of our future together. A future full of danger, excitement, persecution, thrilling victories, and lessons learned. Some easy, some hard. And every bit of it would be okay. Because we would be together. Another epilogue. As it turned out, that assumption was wrong. After the reception, which was pretty much the funnest party I'd ever been to, especially since I didn't have to put it together or clean up afterward, we headed back to our current safe house. Feng had gone back about an hour before, but had insisted I stay and eat cake and party down with my funky self. So I did, in my fancy dress, in fancy shoes, and fancy hair, and I couldn't help marveling at the fact that it wasn't all that long ago we were sleeping in subway tunnels in New York, and it probably wouldn't be all that long before some similar change in our circumstances took place. But tonight was fabulous, and I was surrounded by my favorite people, and I kept thinking of funny things to tell Fang, like how Total looked with white frosting all over his face. So, Nudge and I flew back, followed by Angel, Gazi, and Iggy. I was thankful that I can usually wear jeans or sweats. Flying in a dress is not a picnic. Talk about vulnerable. We landed lightly on our back deck. Inside, a few lights were on. I kicked off my fashionable, uncomfortable shoes and went to find Fang. And went to find Fang. I brought him a piece of cake, and though it was a teensy bit squooshed, I was sure it tasted okay. 
I headed down the hall and tapped on the closed door of the boys' room. No answer. Had he already fallen asleep? I opened the door a bit and peered in. It was dark. Fang? I flicked on the light. The room was empty. His bed was still made. The bathroom was next door, and it too was dark and empty. Fang? I called louder. We're home. I headed out to ask the others if they'd seen him, and that was when I saw the note. It was propped on the dresser by the door. A white envelope with my name written on it and Fang's spiky handwriting. My heart dropped somewhere around my stomach, and my skin went cold, as if I'd stepped into a freezer. Slowly, I reached out and picked up the envelope. I opened the flap and pulled out a sheet of paper. Max, what are you doing? We're going to take a couple more photos, said Nudge, swinging around the door, since we probably won't all be clean at the same time ever again. I swallowed. Is Fang out there with you guys? No? He's not in here? No. I found this. I showed her the note, and her eyes went wide. What is it? Her voice was hushed and solemn. Breathing slowly, I unfolded the paper. I didn't want to read it. Like, if I didn't read it, it would make it be not true. But I was not a coward. Even about this. So I started reading aloud. Dear Max, you looked so beautiful today. I'm going to remember what you looked like forever. Nudge put her hand over her mouth. And I hope you remember me the same way. Clean. Haha. <laughs> I'm glad our last time together was happy. But I'm leaving tonight. Leaving the flock. And this time, it's for good. I don't know if I'll ever see any of you again. The thing is, Max, that everyone is a little bit right. Added up all together, it makes this one big right. Dylan's a little bit right about how my being here might be putting the rest of you in danger. The threat might have been just about Dr. Hans, but we don't know that for sure. Angel was a little bit right about how splitting up the flock will help all of us survive. And the rest of the flock is a little bit right about how when you and I are together, we're focused on each other. We can't help it. The thing is, Maximum, I love you. And I can't help but be focused on you when we're together. If you're in the room, I want to be next to you. If you're gone... I think about you. You're who I want to talk to. In a fight, I want you at my back. When we're together, the sun is shining. When we're apart, everything is in shades of gray. I hope you'll forgive me someday for turning our worlds into shades of gray. At least for a while. I stopped for a moment, trying to breathe. The others had trickled on the hall to see what we were doing, and they were all crowded around Nudge, their faces shocked. You're not at your best when you're focused on me. I mean... You're at your best Maxness, but not your best leaderness. I mostly need Maxness. The flock mostly needs leaderness. And Angel, if you're listening to this, it ain't you, sweetie. Not yet. I glanced at Angel and her cheeks flushed. At least for a couple more years, the flock needs a leader to survive, no matter how capable everyone thinks he or she is. The truth is that they do need a leader, and the truth is that you are the best leader. It's one of the things I love about you. But the more I thought about it, the more sure I got that this is the right thing to do. Maybe not for you, or for me, but for all of us, together, our flock. Please don't try to find me. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, besides wearing that suit today. And seeing you again will only make it harder. You'd ask me to come back, and I would, because I can't say no to you. But all the same problems would still be there and I'd end up leaving again, 
and then we'd have to go through this all over again. Please make us only go through this once. My throat was closing up, my voice becoming raspy. I could think of lots of times he told me no. Nudge edged her hand into the crook of my arm, holding on as if we'd both need support. I love you. I love your smile, your snarl, your grin, your face when you're sleeping. I love your hair streaming out behind you as we fly, with the sunlight making it shine, if it doesn't have too much mud or blood in it. I love seeing your wings spreading out, white and brown and tan and speckled, and all the tiny, downy feathers right at the top of your shoulders. I love your eyes, whether they're cold or calculating or suspicious or laughing or warm, like when you look at me. I started crying like a big doofus. I couldn't believe this. I wiped my tears away with the sleeve of my fancy dress. You're the best warrior I know. The best leader. You're the most comforting mom we've ever had. You're the biggest goofball. The worst driver. And a truly lousy cook. You've kept us safe and provided for us. In good times and bad. You're my best friend. My first and only love. And the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. With wings or without. Now, everyone was crying, even Iggy. We were all sniffling and wiping our faces, and I knew I was right. Reading this out loud had meant it had really happened, was really happening, to all of us, not just to me. Tell you what, sweetie, if in 20 years we haven't expired yet, and the world is still more or less in one piece, I'll meet you at the top of that cliff where we first met the hawks and learned to fly with them. You know the one. 20 years from today... If I'm alive, I'll be there, waiting for you. You can bet on it. Goodbye, my love. Fang. P.S. Tell everyone I sure will miss them. We were all silent. The letter was wet with my tears, making some of the words run. Fang was usually, well, reserved is a nice word for it. But this letter had poured out a lifetime's worth of love. I felt numb, like someone had just whapped my head hard. I can't believe it, said Gazzy. That butthead, said Iggy. This is my fault, said Angel, her shoulders hunching with sobs. No, I told her. You've done a lot of asinine things, but this is not your fault. I felt very old and very tired. Total and Akilah's wedding seemed as if it had happened a year ago. Nudge put her head on my shoulder. I set the letter down and put my arms around her. Tears were dripping onto my dress, but I wasn't making any sound. There was no sound that could express this kind of pain. I didn't want to move, didn't want to do anything. Fing was not waiting for me out in the living room. Tomorrow morning, when I woke up, Fing would still be gone. Hey, so we're going to do something a tiny bit different here. So for most of the books that I read here... I have them as digital PDFs that I just, it's a lot easier to do that than fiddle with pages and all that kind of stuff. But uh, what the digital copies don't give you is that sometimes there's bonuses at the end of the book. And for once, I have a physical copy, and it's of Fang. So there are a ton of goodies at the back of this one. Honestly, I might just do oops all bonuses at some point. But uh, I really like this one, so I wanted to read it, and it's also incredibly short. So before Fang came out, they had a writing contest 
where uh, people were given an outline of Max teaching Dylan how to fly between chapters 35 and 36. So Maxim Ride fans ages 13 through 18 took a stab at writing it, and someone sure won it. <laughs> I wonder if Taylor R. from California is proud of himself. So uh, I'm going to read that, and hopefully we'll have a good time with it. So the outline that everyone was given said, 1. Dylan attempts to fly on the roof of the house. Dylan falls at first. Max shows Dylan how to fly to the roof. Dylan succeeds in flying up. 2. Max pushes Dylan off the roof. 3. Dylan succeeds in flying, and Max joins him in a flight over the canyon. 4. Max and Dylan accidentally brush wings. 5. The two share a tender moment. 6. Dylan and Max fly back toward the house. So, let's get into it. Chapter 35 and a half. Okay, he said somewhat confidently. I laughed to myself as he tried to get off the ground and onto the roof. This was going to be fun. His wings flapped a couple times before he crashed back down to the ground for the second time that day. Try getting a running start. Give yourself enough room, I said, trying to be helpful without sending the wrong message. Like this. I shook up my wings and took a couple steps backward. Running forward, I leaped off the ground and beat my wings until my shoe brushed the gutter. I landed silently on the roof and turned to Dylan. He was staring at me, uncertainty reflected in his eyes. Do I have to try now? Um, duh. Apparently, Dr. God had forgotten to clone common sense into Dylan's brain. Dylan took several steps back, like I had, and then ran forward. He jumped into the air and flapped his wings hard, extreme concentration showing on his face. Miraculously, he managed to raise himself up in the air and make it to the roof. As he landed, I could see his face glowing with pride. Yes, I did it! Dylan did a fist pump and looked at me expectantly. Um, yeah, good job. I praised him, lamely. Now, let's see if we can really get you moving. I'll push you off the roof and you've just got to flap. Once you're a good distance in the air, we'll fly to the other edge of the canyon and back. Ready? I don't know. I think... I didn't get to hear the rest of his sentence, because he started plummeting toward the ground as I pushed him off the edge of the roof. Don't forget to flap! I yelled after him. I sat down on the roof and counted to three in my head, expecting to hear a thud as Dylan hit the ground. But apparently, he had applied what I said, and before I knew it, Dylan's tall, muscular figure was silhouetted in the night sky. I gasped in awe as his chocolate-brown wings flapped, keeping him aloft. It looked almost... majestic. I shook the thoughts out of my head, realizing what I was thinking. I jumped off the roof and snapped my wings, soaring up to join Dylan. Great job! Thanks, it's getting easier. I told you, with a bit of practice, it'll become a lot easier. Dylan and I turned toward the canyon, coasting on the evening breeze. A gust of wind blew, pushing him toward me. I struggled against it, but the tips of our wings brushed slightly. I looked over at him. He was staring at me intently. It looked like he was photographing me with his mind. His eyes swept over every feature of my face, and I blushed and looked away. We should go back, I murmured. Dylan looked disappointed, but turned back toward the house. I stared after him, my mind swirling. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Rain bootleg audiobook podcast thing. 
I am your Olive Marky, and that is the end of Fang. It was a lot different than I remembered it, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're gonna roll into Angel starting next week, which I I remembered a little bit about Fang. I remember absolutely nothing about Angel, so we're gonna go on an adventure together. Uh, other than that, I don't have any announcements or anything for this week. So, let's roll right into the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the Sourcemaker film, Amesis Blue, by Fortress Films. So, this actually came out a couple weeks ago, and it has been driving me crazy the entire time. So, Amesis Blue is a technically a Team Fortress 2 fan video, but it's also a full-length horror movie, which is... Kind of sick. It's kind of really cool. But the plot of it is that on Halloween night of 1968, an executive of the Builders League United Corporation mysteriously vanishes in Mortem, New Mexico. A private detective and washed-up war veteran team up to find him, and yet the man they hunt is more dangerous than they can possibly imagine. It's the synopsis on their page. It's extremely, really, really good. It, it takes a lot of inspiration from, like, 70s horror movies, slashers, that kind of thing, because that's kind of the time period that Team Fortress 2 takes place in. But it's, oh, it's really, really good. Um, yeah, if you're into Team Fortress 2 at all, or I wouldn't say this is a good starting point to get into TF2, but it's very, it's an interesting study of the characters, I think. This was a fan project that's been in the works for over three years, I think. I, one of my friends told me that he heard about it around 2021-ish. And they just finished it, like, two weeks ago, I think. But it's absolutely gorgeous. Like, every time I see, like, a source maker film, it's usually pretty goofy. Even when it's, like, serious, it still looks a little silly. Um, but no, some of the shots in this were just absolutely gorgeous. Just absolute peak cinematography. Uh, I will say, though, since it is a horror movie, it is... Some of the scenes did kind of freak me out. So, along with the link to Amesis Blue, I will leave a link to the Does the Dog Die page in the show notes. Which, if you don't know, is a website that has a bunch of movies and TV shows, and it has, uh, like, common triggers for people on the websites, like arachnophobia, or car crashes, or abuse, or anything like that. I would highly suggest checking out the page for that, for this. Because, like I said, it's a horror movie, but there's a lot of stuff that happens that I can't exactly categorize. It's a lot. It's very good, though. Highly suggest. So, yeah, that is the source filmmaker movie Emesis Blue by Fortress Films, and I will leave a link in the show notes to that if you want to check it out. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at maximumcrimepod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at maximum-crime-pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, I think that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. <laughs> <laughs>